action. Welcome to Torn Snubs, the trash movie podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and creative director of Trash, which could be found at movetotrash.co.uk and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. Joshua and I have a big old shared film knowledge, but there are always gaps that need to be filled. So in this episode, Joshua has recommended a film that I've not yet seen. Joshua's chosen The Colour Purple, directed by Steven Spielberg. Joshua. The Colour Purple, it came out in 1985. It was adapted from Alice Walker's 1982 novel. And it's the story of Celie, played by Whoopi Goldberg, in her acting debut. And Celie is a young black woman in rural Georgia at the start of the 20th century. She's married into a loveless union with Albert, played by Danny Glover, who basically uses her as a live-in slave and forbids her from seeing her sister Nettie, whom she was incredibly close to. But things change when Albert's lover, Shug, played by Margaret Avery, who's kind of a glamorous lounge singer, um, arrives in town. So this was made in 1985. Uh, Steven Spielberg, he had become kind of a a blockbuster director. He'd obviously done Jaw. I mean, he started with Jaw, then there was Jaws, Close Encounters, E.T. He'd made two Indiana Jones films. And then the producer of um, this film approached him to direct and he didn't want to do it. He said, Spielberg said that he felt that he didn't know enough about kind of um, southern Georgia and that um, the kind of communities around that area. And he felt that a black director should be making this film and not him. Um, but he was actually persuaded otherwise. And he he now says that this is kind of his first serious film like his first drama and it enabled him to go on to make things like Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan and things like that I think it shows yeah it does I think it shows I mean I I, after watching this film yesterday I got into a YouTube loop watching a a YouTube loop watching um Whoopi Goldberg in interview talking about it Oprah Winfrey talking about it and there was one where um Whoopi was interviewing Spielberg and Spielberg was saying, this was my first grown-up movie. Mm. And I think he really struggles in this film because tonally, it's it's wrong. It's all wrong. <laughs> he, he'd, obviously, he'd obviously spent the previous decade making films that the target audience is anyone who can get to the cinema. Yeah. So if you're making something like Jaws, it's such a thrill ride. It's like being on a on a you know, like a, a, a theme park attraction, but in the cinema. Then yeah. you have light affair like Indiana Jones and 1941, mm. his comedy that no one ever talks <laughs> about. No. And there's a reason. Nobody saw it. But the tone here is almost the same. It, it's, it's not as light as Indiana Jones, but it's not as dark as up until that point, his darkest film was E.T. And that's about a fucking alien. <laughs> yeah. And I think it does the film a disservice because even though it's not a biopic, so there's no real person to respect, it is set in a time when the black community were deemed second-class citizens, maybe not by law because they have the 13th Amendment, rightfully so, but by societal opinions, that they were classed as second-class citizens and either in the service to the white person like Oprah Winfrey ends up in this film 
or left to the side and you know they make their own strange kind of society mm. within their own black community that sort of mirrors the white community the, the way they're treated by the white people so there is a history to respect and because the tone is so light even in its darkest moments it's still quite a light fluffy joyful film the darker moments and the the tragedy that we see is really undermined and it's never mm. hit fully home yeah it's like there are there are the overall tone is kind of sunny and like quite twee mm. but then there's there are these kind of really quite horrible moments of violence yeah that just kind of burst out of nowhere and you're not really sure what to do with them like it's it kind of there is an undercurrent the first hour i think there's kind of an undercurrent of menace and tragedy where you just really you're really worried about celie you, you have no idea what's going to happen to her um but as the film goes along this this bizarre kind of tone just becomes even more bizarre and it just starts to slip into really cartoonish yeah. imagery and really cartoonish characters like Miss, um, oh, what's her name? Miss Millie, played by Dana Ivey, who's the woman who can't drive her car. <laughs> yeah. She's just horrendous. It's like, it, it's almost like stereotyping in reverse. Yeah. Like the, the black characters are all emotional and, and kind of you can empathize with them and sympathize with them because the stuff they go through is horrific. And then the white characters become hugely caricatured mm -hmm. and it completely makes light of anything that they do that oppresses anybody else. Mm. So they're almost acting like children. So Miss Millie's like, I don't trust anyone. Oh, they're going to, they're going to attack me. They're going to attack me when these black guys are just trying to help her drive her car. Mm. Um, and it, it kind of makes the prejudice into a bit of a farce and it just feels really odd and uncomfortable in a way that obviously wasn't intended it yeah it, it it's bizarre really bizarre i don't think he developed enough i don't think he fully understood what he was doing which is odd because he's he's such a talented filmmaker and he that was mm. in his period where he was riding high he um i always like to think that he has overall two periods in his career there's 75 through to 2005 mm. and then everything that's come since yeah um and i'm kind of i'm hopeful that the post his upcoming film which mm. will probably actually be, has already been released by the time this podcast goes out i'm hoping it's going to be a return to form everyone says that every time he releases a new film yeah right? so everyone's wishing that, that is the would, problem yeah. but he's been making so many he's just been making studio product for 13 years now mm. but in terms of mixing in terms of balancing the light and the dark he did it so much better in Schindler's List Saving Private Ryan and Munich and probably War of the Worlds but if we're talking about sort of real life mm. events this one is a, is a really it's, it's a bizarre oddity and it moves at one pace it never picks up yeah speed it never drops speed it just moves at a very gentle pace as if you're on one of those horse-drawn carts and you're just plodding along it's weirdly safe and yeah. spielberg has kind of said that he he regrets the fact that he he didn't make the the lesbian relationship between seely and um shug shug no shug shug i was gonna say shug but it's shug for sugar right yeah um he didn't really explore that as much as it is in the book and he kind of underplays it massively so to the degree where you actually just think they're probably just kind of nice friends which but just disappears yeah they're meant 
Like they're meant to be the, lovers. The DVD that I watched, it was at the end of part, end of side A. Oh, flip right. it over. <laughs> by the time you get to side B, nothing was happening. It's gone. It's evaporated. They just yeah. They just it just seemed that Suge was very concerned about Seeley's predicament yeah. of being under Mister, played by Danny Glover, and she helps her escape and take the letters, find the letters from her missing sister. Mm. Yeah, it's just a shame that that lesbian relationship was completely eradicated. Maybe that's. Maybe that was something to do with the times. It's I the, think it was. The you 80s. Maybe the people weren't... The st- Hollywood studios weren't ready to have something like that. It's such a... Because po- it's, it, it's quite a positive mm. thing in Celie's life. She has, she's been living with a man for 20, 25 years who, mm. who doesn't love her. She hates him. Mm. She's trapped. And suddenly to have someone, even though it's a woman, show her love and affection that she's never been shown before... It's such a positive thing. Maybe no one in the Hollywood system was ready to show that in a positive light. No, in I don't the think 80s. they were. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, there are kind of glimmers of, I guess, what Alice Walker ori- originally wrote in her novel. Like, there's, mm. there's glimmers of ideas, like how the the black community is as divided as as um, uh, internally as the black community is from white yeah. communities. Um, and that kind of is bizarrely reconciled at the end when the boozy bar people all burst into the church and sing along to gospel music, and that it just comes across just as so bizarrely, <laughs> so bizarre. Yeah, because it, it went from being it went it went from being trying to be like a, a fake biopic that was very um, honest and very almost as real life as they could. To suddenly be in like a 1930s like musical version yeah. of a completely different story. Yeah. It takes you out the film and you and you, you kind of go, this is a mix mash of genres yeah. that no one's asking for. Yeah. I thought the thing is, it's like this, this could, there are these glimmers of, of quite interesting things. I'm not sure if I'm just reading too much into it, but. But things like colour itself is obviously a big thing in the picture, not mm-hmm. not just in terms of the colour of people's skin. But, you know, there's there's a bit where um, Suge chucks her food out the door and it paints the wall in, in different colours. Oh, yeah, it's just like, like jukebox red and yeah, sort of yeah. proper bright yellow. Yeah, and like the fact that when Seely first comes to the house, the first thing she does is she scrubs the, the filth off the wallpaper to reveal the, the coloured wallpaper beneath yeah. and like flowers yeah, yeah yeah and there's this this running motif of colors and like purple for the for the flowers of her youth purple mm-hmm. for the bruises and the the pain and the this purple of pride people who are struggling to be proud and when her kids show up at the end yeah they're shown through the the, the purple fields the purple fields yeah. and they've got these big billowing red and yellow and whatever yeah colored uh sort of scarves yeah or... and she's in purple as well yeah Seely. but it's just not subtly done like by the end you're like oh the color purple is <laughs> everywhere <laughs> it's like yeah we get it we get it maybe they were trying to do some marketing or some toy licensing or something yeah maybe. <laughs> um there are some there are some flickers of of his visual style because yeah. by and large it's it's not a visual movie in the in the traditional sense it, it's kind of directed quite anonymously even though mm. there's all the, the color motifs 
camera angles and, and whatnot, there's there's not that much to pinpoint it to a Spielberg film. Mm. There's two things that stick out. One, when stuff's about to get really dark, but mm-hmm. only thematically, not actually dark. I mean, like... Not visually lighting-wise or... Yeah, but also not tonally either right. because it it still retains quite a light tone. Mm. The camera starts tracking towards a post a, a mailbox. Mm. Obviously, in America, the, the mailboxes are not in the door. They're halfway down the road. And Celie's been told to stay away from that mailbox. It's none of her business. Mr. said none of her business. And her life is obviously about to get a bit shit mm. even more. And the camera starts tracking towards the open post box and then it goes in and the screen mm, goes black yeah and i was thinking ah here comes the darkness yeah no the darkness did not arrive yeah the darkness did not arrive the gravity and there's this other moment where um Celie and her sister are stood just off the porch of the house and mister played by danny glover comes along and the way that he fills the frame he's close to the camera and it's just his ass in his hand um and Celie and her sister are at the back of the frame off the porch. And he moves across the frame to cover Celie mm. so we can just concentrate on the sister because he didn't want Celie. He wanted to marry the sister. Mm. And he was told, no, she's too young, but you can have Celie. Uh, she's spoiled twice because she'd been raped and had two mm. children already. Yeah. Um, but you can have her. He doesn't want her. He wants the sister. And just that shot mm. was just perfect. It, Spielberg has a way of doing things. And it reminded me of a shot from Munich where, do you know, have you seen Munich? Mm, not for a while. So obviously yeah. Munich is um, about the way that the Israeli army took revenge on the orchestrators of the um, massacre of the Israeli um, Olympic athletes at mm. the 1972 Munich Games. So early on in the film, the camera, we're in a busy, smoky boardroom or like conference room, but in parliament, in the Israeli parliament. And the camera's following this file being held by someone. And the, we follow the file um, as the file is handed over to someone. Someone takes it. And as the file moves out of frame, we are revealed to see um, Golda Meir, who's the Israeli leader at the time. Hmm. And that speaks to about how in this story, she will hide behind diplomatic red tape. Mm. So Spielberg has a way of doing these things, which really interesting way of splitting up the, um, the frame, but telling a story in the visuals. Mm. So there was, there was smidgens of this. There was some stuff with the sun later on, mm. but how um, Celia and her sister are both living under the same sun. So they're mm. not as separated as they think, but by and large, it's quite an anonymously directed film. There is there is some lovely stuff with shadows, and it's a, it's particularly effective when uh, so Celie's moved in with Albert. She's her sister Nettie comes to stay with her, and they're basically just like ripping the piss out of Albert secretly, and we see that as them as their shadows kind of dancing around on the wall. Yeah, and it's a lovely kind of it's a lovely idea that they are doing this in secret, so therefore we only see their shadows. And there's another moment I think when Celie's reading a letter or something like that and you see her shadow again and it's it's kind of like what we do in the shadows like but that, that became kind of, that became the, the poster for the film yeah yeah, yeah so, so it kind of loses all its meaning yeah <laughs> but um but yeah that that's a nice that was a nice little touch as well so 
you know, this is, he's a very accomplished director mm. and this film feels like him feeling his way into new terrain. Yes, he's a very accomplished filmmaker, but he's also a lover of the sentimental moment. Mm. And even in films where you think he's he's stripped all that back, like Saving Private Ryan or even Schindler's List, he still goes for the sentimental moment that I think at the wrong times. Mm. Schindler's List, I think, is, is as, as perfect as Spielberg gets until the very end when Schindler is on the back of the car saying, I could have done more. This ring could have bought one more. And it's so sentimental. It completely undermines the harrowing yeah. views and, and the harrowing film we've just spent the last three hours watching. Saving Private Ryan, all that stuff with the American flag is just so American and sentimental. <laughs> it's very difficult for a non-American to watch seriously. Yeah. So I tend to ignore those moments. This film kind of flips that ratio it's all sentimental mm. and there are moments of non-sentimentalness mm -hmm. i just wish it was the other way around i wish it was because this is such a even though it's fake it's probably based in in truth but it's not a biopic i i just wish because it was such a such a harrowing story being split up from your only living uh sibling yeah. your only living relative and and having to hope one day maybe hopefully we will be reunited it's such a harrowing story told in such a blase <laughs> yeah. light kind of oh god those white people that yeah. kind of way yeah that being said the individual performances are phenomenal oh, whoopi god. goldberg is her first ever film first role. ever film role yeah you know she she'd worked her way up through theatre doing one woman mm. comedy shows isn't she perfect for that role as this yeah. sweet quiet introverted childlike yeah girl and even as she goes even as she gets older she's still quite childlike she's got that big grin yeah she's got that little face with those wide eyes you know eyes just sort of filled with such wonder mm. an amazing performance yeah and I love how there are little moments where she kind of, she starts to take the power back. Like when she spits in the guy's drink and then Jory's watching him drink it. Like that's a really childlike thing to do. But it kind of progresses up to she's actually going to slash her husband's throat with a razor. Um, yeah, she's she's really good in it. Yeah. I just wish that, I just wish that there had been, had been more for her to work with in some way. Because it is a very quiet, dialogueless performance yeah, at and times. Yeah. Yeah, mostly. And, yeah, and Donald Glover's like shark smile was just terrifying. Like, and whenever whenever he was pissed off, you could just see in his eyes that you know something bad's going to happen. Like, he was really scary. They were both against the type that they've become known for. You know, Whoopi Goldberg would go on to play very feisty, mm. sassy, loudmouth women, like in Ghost, in um, Sister Act, Sister Act, and on the view yeah um a version of loose women <laughs> and i love whoopi goldberg yeah but it, it's it's how many more times can she play the other may brown role mm -hmm. um and danny glover completely against the type i know i know him from the lethal weapon films and predator 2 yeah <laughs> so when he showed up and he looked so heroic and mm. young he looked so young up on that horse He's ripped i was thinking ah oh, this this is gonna be all right Oh my God, it was not all right. No, it wasn't. 
It wasn't yeah, he's all right. terrifying in it. He but, is but terrifying. He does, he's terrifying until he starts becoming a cartoon. Yeah. Like they all they all basically just end up being cartoons by the end. Oprah Winfrey is great in this as well. I didn't even know she could act. Yeah, this is her first film. Apparently she was apparently when she got the role, she was at the fat farm because she was trying to lose weight. <laughs> and they're like, abort, abort, and just got her out of there because she had to be quite fat for the role. <laughs> just the way she was like walking up, yeah. swinging her arms, marching up to the house. She didn't take no shit. Yeah. And she, in, in, oddly, she's the only character that has a full arc. Yeah, she is. She goes from being a take no shit feisty woman to go into prison and her life is and her life and her soul and her spirit is so crushed that she becomes a shell of who she used to be Mm -hmm. everyone else is pretty much consistent throughout Mm. i just love that danny glover's character gets his comeuppance when he meets queen oprah winfrey she just you know that the film does capture that real sense of injustice in the fact that he can hit whoever the fuck he wants to hit but as soon Mm. as she hits him that is just not okay. Yeah. And it, it, the film really does capture that well. Um, and she, she, you know, it's kind of her story. It's almost her, as much her story as it is Celia's. Sophia, yeah. Yeah, because she does go through that, that real kind of ingrained, awful prejudice. Yeah. Where why shouldn't she be allowed to speak, you know, her mind? Mm. Um, and, you know, when she she gets hit and she smacks that that white guy down and and she ends up going to jail it, it For 8 years yeah the injustice is yeah is very effectively portrayed in this film um and she is yeah she is the only one who doesn't really become a cartoon character she kind of goes through a believable arc and at the end you see her kind of you know getting back to where she was when all along does she i can't remember does she does she go back to being how she was at the end she's she's back with What's his name? Ho- uh, Hope Hopper. What's no? Danny Glover's kid in the film. Yeah, whose name is Oprah backwards. What's his name? I f- totally forgot what his name is. Harpo or something. Harpo. Harpo is Oprah backwards. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Is that, oh, maybe that's why she called her production company Harpo Productions. Yes. Yeah. From this. Ah. Yeah. Well, she's yeah, back with him. So she's end. back with him, but she's not back to her normal self. Because I know she's in a at the dinner table. She's in a trance, and they're like, "Are you okay?" And she goes. I'm confused. And then when Whoopi Goldberg has her moment of pretty much telling Danny Glover, you keep your fucking hands off me or I'm going to cut your throat. Mm. She snaps out of it again, like fucking quick. Like, well, she gets her spirit back. Yeah, but no one needs therapy when you can just watch someone have an yeah. argument at the dinner table. Oh, yeah. There's a wonderful moment that I don't know if I'm reading into it, but towards the end, we see... we. This is the... It's after the point in the film where we've learnt that the sister has gone to Africa and she's living there and Celia has kids. So we're seeing some sort of tribal um, ceremony where the kids are having their face cut, they're having their tribal marks put on. And it's intercut with Celia um, shaving Danny Glover. And the the idea is, I mean, not his entire body. <laughs> There's nothing like a shaved scrotum. <laughs> she's shaving his face, but we don't know if she's going to slit his throat or not. I mean, she's pretty. She looks pretty terminated. She looks determined, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, they're they're kind of intercut with each other, and it, it kind of. I don't know if I'm reading into this, but what I take away from it is from is is this that even though he has assumed the the mantra of the white man, he's oppressing pe- the other black people around him. 
he shouldn't really forget where his origins are and his origin his origins are back in africa Mm. where they do things differently no matter how much he wants to be the white person role in this in this environment he will always have his origins back in the place that the white person hates yeah yeah and that's there's that and then i mean with the the shots in africa showing all of the ritual the ceremonies um that shows a very strong sense of community you know they've got a way of life they they seem to coexist and that's something that doesn't exist in georgia um no because he's he's completely oppressive of everyone in the house and he gets his comeuppance not in an obvious way he's just a really miserable lonely man at the end of it and he's separate to everyone else he's in the field with his horse and cart and he's old he's too old for this shit his, and the, everyone um, is over here the shutters are literally falling off the house yeah in well, the background. They, literally yeah. yeah but everyone else is over here having the time of their life they are strong and empowered and they're getting on with it they've got a life he doesn't mm. he doesn't have the life that he clearly was trying to force people to do for him mm. the the thing that i do find interesting about the story and I'm sure I, I would actually really want to read the book now because I feel like the book would be far more rewarding. Mm. But I find it interesting that there's no kind of um, obvious main white antagonist. So this isn't like 12 Years a Slave where it's very obviously um, black, impoverished, kind of downtrodden black people fighting back against this white uh, dominance. Yeah. Um, with the color purple, it's a lot more subtle than that. It, it's kind of, it's implied that white society is responsible for a lot of the corruption within the black community, but there's no kind of singled out white villain that they have to overcome or who we have to root against. Not even the mayor and the mayor's wife who send, caused the incident that sends Sophia to prison. They are, as you said, turned. she's turned into a cartoon hmm. by after Sophia comes out of prison. So mm. it's not like it's not like there's any danger from them. It's just very much like a a, a it's there hovering. Mm-hmm. They are in this yeah. situation because the white society has decided that they are less than and they deserve this and they have to live over here and be this way. Mm. But it's not like one individual person embodies that. Yeah, it's a brave ethos. it's a brave kind of move narratively that to to have kind of problematic and, and unlikable characters within the black community that yeah. you're you're supposedly kind of trying to root for i guess or you're trying to it's just an, it's an interesting narrative choice not to have that white villain and not all the black characters within this community are likable um and it's just that feels refreshing and different and brave i think what came after this let's say the next five films that he made what was it so after this he made empire of the sun the... i've never seen that i really want to see that that's christian bale as a kid isn't yeah. it yeah yeah i would like to see that i would imagine it's... that's that's dark though it's long it's like three three hours something yeah then he did indiana jones and the last crusade which obviously oh, is brilliant yeah. then he did always which is like a, oh, kind of I've a weepy i think that, yeah but... i've never really wanted to watch that then he did Hook and then he did Jurassic Park. So he and kind then of, Schindler's List. He kind of did some bits and bobs and then that's, yeah. yeah. So he took a good So things were break. getting darker. Yeah. Things and... were getting darker because Indiana Jones is, 
even though Temple, Temple of Doom's quite dark, I would say the Last Crusade the last is more Crusade, realistically yeah dark because Hitler's yeah. in this one. Yeah, he has a big starring role. Um, Jurassic Park is is almost like a darker version of Jaws, mm. like visually dark, but also thematically, it's mm. quite dark as well. And then Schindler's List is a just a you know great joyride, really, isn't it? <laughs> it's a family movie. Yeah, he just went back to being silly again. <laughs> Quite an odd career. I know he's always like heralded as the greatest filmmaker ever. I don't, I don't know if that's strictly true. You look back over what he does, and it's just kind of uh, inconsistent. Is kind of what I would say, isn't it? He's obviously a skilled filmmaker, but um, he doesn't necessarily knock it out of the park on a regular Not every basis. Time, no. Yeah. But I, I can, how many directors do? I mean, you would obviously argue Kubrick, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. The, one, the difference between Kubrick and Spielberg is there was long pauses between films, and the the pauses between Kubrick's films got longer and longer because his method was so meticulous. It's so much research. Mm. Spielberg makes like a film a year, mm. so maybe if he if he just slowed down, maybe the ones that are lacking wouldn't be so lacking. Mm. They wouldn't make bizarre decisions like to make this, the colour purple, so whimsical and so floaty. Yeah. Maybe he could have, you know, really done his homework and thought, I need to make this quite dark because, or make a tone that is appropriate to the film. And I think that the appropriate tone would have been to go dark. Yeah. I don't think that, have there been any like TV adaptations? I know there was a musical, like a stage musical. Yeah, that was um, London and Broadway, but I imagine that's more modelled on the film as well. Yeah, there was a Radio 4 radio adaptation, um, but there hasn't... Like, I would imagine that this feels kind of ready for a like a TV miniseries. Or, I felt it was quite a dated film. It didn't feel yeah. like an 80s film. I felt like I was watching something from the 60s. But yeah, it, yeah, it does have that feeling to it. Maybe we need a Netflix show. <laughs> yeah, starring... <laughs> Anyone who's not in the Dark Crystal show. (laughs) So that was The Colour Purple, directed by Steven Spielberg. We want you to join the conversation. Tweet us your thoughts and your reviews and your film recommendations to at TornStubsPod, even if you're listening to this way after we've released the podcast. Let's keep the conversation going, and we love a five-star rating, so hop onto the podcast app on your phone and check us a five-star rating. We're off to watch YouTube clips of The View. Until next time... (laughs) What's wrong? YouTube. (laughs) YouTube. We're off to watch YouTube clips of The View. Until next time... (laughs) Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. Cut!